Art Blankman getting through this on Manhattan's Upper East Side. And I'm Tom Saunders in New York's Flatiron District. Scotty, as loyal listeners know, I spend almost half my time up in the Catskills, where my girlfriend Sandy owns a quaint Victorian bed and breakfast in Hunter, and I own a small house on the edge of the picturesque town of Wyndham. We're getting to know the locals, and recently we were at a party out in a country home next to an idyllic lake. There, a guy who also lives on that lake told a story that was the opposite of idyllic. His dog, it seems, had been repeatedly bitten by a neighbor's dog, the, the neighbor's dog being part Rottweiler and part Pitbull. Well, his story was long and full of woe and made me grateful that I don't have a dog and that if I did, my neighbor doesn't have a dog that's part Rottweiler and part Pitbull. It was interesting to learn that dogs in general are the second most dangerous animal, only below hippos and way safer than tigers. Well, how could I contribute to the conversation? I, I couldn't just sit there and smile smugly about how my life is free of animal drama. Then, then I remembered an anecdote that I had shared on this very podcast months ago, and so was heard only by our select audience of geniuses. A true story about how I was bitten by a rooster. I told the people at the party that I didn't know where on the spectrum of dangerous animals the rooster was. And well, Scotty, the laughter was fulsome and I must say, welcome, after all the bemoaning of a neighbor's friendship lost in the teeth of a neighbor's dog. Once again, I was grateful to that aggressive rooster outside the auto body shop who sent me to a clinic to test for rooster rabies, but whose bullying helped me to restore the lighthearted spirit of a party in the Catskills. Well, Tommy, your thrilling and uproariously received rooster biting anecdote is a template for a worldwide trend where people turn their animal bites into stories that score big laughs at parties. Now, at the time, there was nothing funny about a random rooster biting you inexplicably and sending you to a doctor for rooster rabies tests, and it even hurt a bit. But your new way of turning an animal-induced injury into a party-saving moment of lightheartedness will soon be, well, soon be the way of the world. But I must also admit that your formula for laughs, alas, doesn't apply to dogs being bitten by other scarier dogs as your fellow partygoer revealed in his dirge-like tale of woe. Now, our dog-loving listeners will no doubt remind us that, yes, pit bulls and rottweilers are usually quite friendly, but are sometimes placed in the hands of humans who train them and breed them for nefarious purposes. Now, it's one thing to train them as guard dogs, but why teach them to bite other often adorable doggies? Tommy, it is my fervent hope that your story will begin to lead to the eradication of dogs biting dogs as we know it. Oh, well, Scotty, uh, if that does turn out to be the legacy, my only legacy, well, I will have lived a life that I can be proud of, but not as proud as if I could stop all animals from biting all other animals. That yeah, well, be, it's, a, it's a, quite a start there. And yes, there that, are that, people... I mean, that's a start. Yeah, by, now yeah, I would well, be, I, I certainly, uh, I would have to say, I'm glad, thankfully, that it was the neighbor, not uh, this person. I mean, I'm glad that the neighbor who owns this uh, half Rottweiler and Pitbull was not there, because I think it doesn't speak well of that neighbor to have probably procured a dog like that, or, as I said, maybe purposely bred 
uh, these two dogs. But again, uh, let's put the onus on that neighbor and not those doggies. Because as I said, I've seen so many adorable pit bulls who just are as adorable as any little uh, cocker spaniel that is not usually known for uh, any rough stuff. You know, you're right. You're absolutely right about it was good that the neighbor didn't show up because that would have been awkward. Probably the story never would have surfaced. It would be too <laughs> sensitive. But but had had it, you know, had it happened that, yeah, it would have yelled to devolved into a yelling match, it sounds like. And I, I would have to say. Uh, and I hear that you side with the dogs and either the uh, and the pit bulls are actually usually friendly, but somehow they they are involved with a lot of uh, attacks, not on just on other dogs, but on people. And to, uh, uh, can we, Scotty? And I ask this uh, with great respect. And and <laughs> I mean, in, in many cases, what we do is similar to what the Supreme Court does. Only we oh. do a better job of it. Yes. And. and and, and we do uh, it with casual clothing, too. Yeah, we don't dress up in robes. No. Uh, uh, um, we could. There's nothing yeah. to stop us no. from having, wearing robes. Well, that could be our new YouTube series. <laughs> the comedy is in session. <laughs> you know, we've got the and robes. And that's we go, right. Okay, let the jokes begin. You know, and, 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 and the cliche, we actually do have cliche court, which we yes. invented, which oh, we absolutely. should be wearing robes for that. Oh, absolutely. And, yes. And, but I think that in this case, uh, uh, we have to discuss it a little bit, uh, um, you know, la- if nothing else, to show the Supreme Court how it's done. When we take controversies like whose fault is it? Is it the dog's fault or is the owner's fault? To put to imply that the old owner was nefarious, that didn't sound like the the case because it seemed like they were very good friends, the neighbors, uh, until the owner got this dog. And these dogs are, you know, it, it's difficult to just train them because you don't know all the things that they're likely to do. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not a, a, an expert on any of this. I don't know who, who is, but. Uh, many times, though, someone somewhere along the way, I guess, you know, it's almost like I sound like a very religious person where they always say, yeah. well, how about the, these horrible, well, how is there a God if we have all these horrible things? Well, God has a reason for, or or man did it. It's not God's fault. So uh, I, I'm not saying it exactly this way, but I think that, uh, well, look, certainly a dog could be in a bad mood and these Rottweilers. And, and of course, look at the Siegfried and Roy analogy we've used on, on a few occasions where yeah. certainly they love Siegfried and Roy, these tigers but sadly one of them is so powerful yeah that it just a, a gentle bite caused a lot of damage so well but, uh, but it was also that that you cannot fully train certain animals and i was surprised that 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 the dog is more dangerous to humans than almost any other animal except the hippo which has surprised me also that the hippo is so dangerous well that that i thought actually you were saying that that the hippo was the least dangerous, and then the dog was second. No, 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 that was the exact opposite. The yeah. most dangerous. Most people would think that, you know, you think of a hippo. Now, of course, hippos. No, 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 the, but but, the, but yeah. the hippo. Oh, I see. That's what you would assume. But yeah. but I hope I made it clear. The hippo oh, no, you the, did. Oh, yeah, good. It was Thank so God. shocking. Yeah, I would have so had shocking. to redo that whole podcast otherwise. Oh, uh, no, no. It was shocking because I guess a hippo need only just tilt over and it's. <laughs> with its extreme weight and it can yeah. do it in a very innocent likable way but can cause like Siegfried and Roy's tigers you know uh, unwittingly cause damage but hippos uh it is a fact it opened my eyes to a world I never because I always thought a hippo can't really go very fast and no yeah really much they could do but now you're saying no that they could be quite yeah, fearsome 
basically be in the water or right next to the water where the hippo hangs out. It, it, again, though, I think what we're what we're, what we're heading toward is something that is, you know, that really does make us as useful as the Supreme Court or more useful, actually. Yeah. And that what uh, and I, I think this is where where you're going with this. Let's not let, let's hope that your neighbor doesn't buy a hippo as a mm. pet. Yeah, and 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 if we, if this podcast does nothing else, <laughs> we could at least discourage people from having hippos as pets. If only think about the neighbors' dogs and cats oh. and the neighbors themselves. Well, what given that they're so huge and and scary. Well, what you've done, Tommy, is really put things on its end, uh, upended convention. Because again, as I read it, I just allowed my previous, you know. Uh, prejudices and, and and preconceived notions about the hippo being so harmless and buffoonish in a way yeah. that I thought you, you were saying, oh, oh, indeed, they're so safe. But you're, this is a cautionary tale for those. And I'm sure there are many uh, the kids tugging on the mom or dad's tails. Well, not literally, but clothing. Can't we have a hippo? And the parents think, oh, that would be nice, but we can't afford it. Or they think of the practical aspects, not knowing how dangerous the hippo could be, which I didn't know until this moment. So yeah. it's a public service. And once again, Tommy, you're right. You've done so much. Well, in these nine minutes and 27 seconds, yeah. you've done more than the Supreme Court has done in its entire term. Yeah. You know, and 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 again, we're not uh, posing for pictures and robes and, yeah. and, and again, but we could do that. I, 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 I don't see there's anything wrong with you and I wearing robes and, and, uh, and because it would drive home the point that we are in many ways, um, an, an, we could be an inspiration for the current oh, Supreme Court. And we, just, well, I mean, just yeah. listening to our process, how quickly we got to the point and we were able to 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 um, unravel the gnarly problem of who is more culpable, the the the, the pit bull or its owner. Well, I'm sure and, that and, case, and, yeah, and, the case and then, law. On that. Yes. Sorry, go ahead. Scott. Yeah, well, I'm sure there's case law but no we are doing we're very uh, using the bible uh solomonic really you know yeah. sort of uh, being uh, without meaning to now again you're right and by the way i think this is important to note we could wear robes and without being accused of trying to impersonate a supreme court justice and get hauled off to court no there's nothing illegal about putting on robes we could even put on white tory you know wigs uh, <laughs> if we want and no one what are they going to say well no, why are you dressed no, like, yeah uh, we, but we feel yeah. like now, I, I will say this, that constitutionally, and this is where we really do shine as, as uh, you know, alternative to the Supreme Court, because uh, we delve into the Constitution without actually having to read it and reread it all the time. Yeah. Or even have it or even, around Or anywhere. even know very much about yeah. it. Yeah. And, and, uh, but I'm pretty sure, Scotty, that um, uh, the Constitution doesn't say everyone has a right to own a hippo. No. Uh, and I and I think that, you know, how long would it take for the Supreme Court to arrive at that decision? We came up with it in 11 minutes and 24 seconds. Oh, yeah. No, they would put it off and they wouldn't want it on the docket yet. And they'd have to wait for a <laughs> lower court. And oh, it would take years and years. And, and yeah. And hopefully they would approach it incrementally as the Supreme Court should or acknowledge precedent which they haven't seemed to do lately. But so that that also makes us so superior to the Supreme or uh, the issue should be called the well. I'm glad they don't call it the Superior Court, although yeah. other lesser courts 
are called the superior court. Isn't that interesting? Lesser yeah. courts are called superior court, but then there's a Supreme Court. But then they would have to call us something even higher than the Supreme Court. The, yeah. The, the, the um, ultimate court? I, I, I don't know. what. How, well, uh, yeah, or the I mean, final the court. That's... The court of uh, yeah, something uh, that... What is higher than supreme? Yeah, that's the only thing standing in the way of us, you know, actually. Who came up with that, by the way? I mean, in the is it in the Constitution? And this shall be a supreme court. I mean, I guess those words are there. That could have taken a long time to write it in. It must because especially if they had already figured out the superior court. Yeah, they probably had a little. What's higher than the superior court? I guess they said, "Why do you have to call it superior? Now (laughs) it's stuck. We can't go any higher." Well, supreme is. I don't know, really. How? What, what makes you say? Maybe they invented, a, you know, supreme. So, all the behind. The, I first of all, I have to say, hats off to all the, yeah. the guys and gals, and I guess there weren't gals, unfortunately, who wrote the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence. Uh, and again, I think we need to look at it, going, let's feel free to change it, not the essence of it, but because it was written under a deadline, as all things. Look, every great script, you don't just hand in the first draft and then. Yeah. Say, yeah. So uh, certainly yeah. we could tinker with certain things and not be, you know, going against the Constitution or the, anything like that. And I, I, so I'm not a strict constitutionalist in that sense, because no, writing no. on a deadline and I'm sure yeah. the writers would say, yeah, that part. I, yeah, I really I had to get it in and I didn't really could have put some other things in there. So and again, though, it says nothing about Rottweilers and pit bulls and, and, and dogs. No, and, and that's where we come in. I mean, that's. Yeah. You know, once you, you know, it, we're, we take on the gnar, the topics that are too gnarly, even for the Supreme Court. And yeah. and they never have taken on the issues of Rottweiler, pit bulls and, and or, or, God forbid, hippos. They'll, no, no. The, the, uh, but it when will, when, when will they get around to that? But yeah, I, I am. I do want to go back, though, to this great example, this great story. I mean, again, uh, hopefully, I mean, I hope. This person's dog is okay. Uh, was that? Uh, should we put it, a list? You know, uh, it, it. There was there was uh, some hospital is you know dog hospitalization required, but apparently, yeah, the dog was not killed. Oh, good, because a lot of people want to say dog's fine, but you know, certainly, yeah, the dog okay, but it's but but the relationship between the neighbors has suffered, and they yeah. they were they had been really, you know, they've been real friends, and then. One neighbor buys a Rottweiler, you know, and, and, and how do you know how to train these things? Like, OK, they're just very friendly if unless they're trained. Well, you know, and maybe, maybe they were maybe trained not. before he got it. And so it's kind of hard to untrain that. So I I don't I don't know. I'd be curious to know if he got that because it does sound like someone purposely bred these fearsome animals for for evil, even though. Right. So uh, but Tommy, I think this is, would be an excellent play movie book. That's a, an allegory. Uh, yeah. You know, for something larger uh, and starts off as friends and, and they live, you know, next door could be Israeli Palestinian conflict. So many things that the critics will read into it. Right. I think this set of good friends and then the dog bites the other dog. Where do you go from there? Yeah. And in this compelling uh, intermissionless 90 minutes, uh, <laughs> Saunders manages to throw many great yeah. topics into the fire and, and, and provides great food for thought. Yeah, no, Scotty, this is so, so great because it really shows how we have, uh, are upending the whole, talk about upending uh, uh, the whole uh, draw business of, of uh, the theater, theatrical presentations by writing the, the um, review first. <laughs> yeah. 
and, yeah. and, and, and writing it well. I think that was a really good review that you wrote for, for our, and so now it makes the reviewer's job so much easier. Oh, just give it to them. Then you can give them different templates. And if it's a smaller, longer review, whatever they want to focus on. I mean, really, and they could look, if they want to change a few words, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say anything with that as long as they get the essence of it. But to me, intermissionless 90 minutes is, is a, <laughs> the gotta, best selling point for any play. You got to And I, I'll, I'll go to a play that's even deeply dark and disturbing as long as it's an intermissionless 90 minutes. Uh, <laughs> because really what, you know, it's 90 minutes and then, you, you know, but the two hour, 45 minute, three hour with two intermissions. You really want to know more about the play before you, you know. You really do. To- That's a big, big hunk of, t- of a person's yeah. life, really. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, and, and there's not much you can do in those in those intermissions other than it takes your mind off the play and makes you think about other stuff. You know, well, what and- I always think about is can I get to the bathroom? But there's always tremendous lines. And I saw a wonderful play, Lehman Trilogy, and uh, uh, it was three acts and. Each time, comically, I would try to go to the restroom, and there was just this endless line. So I held it in, as they said. I still enjoyed the play uh, immensely. Uh, but uh, people always say, by the time the expression, let's say if it wasn't a good play, well, those are two hours I'm not getting back. Here's a little note. You don't get back any hours, <laughs> even the ones you enjoy. I mean, there's no like, wow, it's such a great time. All right, we'll, we'll give them back. You'll get them back. That's the best. No. And you don't know, you don't get them back, yeah. but. You'd like to spend them in a, in a, you know, good way. Well, that's a good note, Scotty. And that's that. I mean, I can't believe all the things we're, we're accomplishing in this one podcast. Oh, in 17 uh, minutes. I mean, most people minutes. are just warming up and going, hey, so what did you do last <laughs> night? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, we've already, um, you know, done the work of, of um, uh, play reviewers. We've, in a sense, written a play about. Uh, and, and also, I think that's one of the greatest reviews I've ever never read, which <laughs> is uh, it, it, the play was long. It had two uh, uh, intermissions. I tried to go to the bathroom and I couldn't because the line was so long. And, and so I just had to hold it in. But I still enjoyed the play. Yeah, well, that I can't think of what and I, I, I mean, that's not exactly the words you said. But those are enough of, you know, I think I pretty much got the gist oh, of it. Absolutely. As You're being right. the greatest review you could ever give a oh, play. Absolutely. That you, yeah. Even though you were holding in going to the bathroom, uh, you, you still enjoyed the play. Exactly. No, I've never people's... read that in the New Yorker. No, ever. no, you won't see it there. And that's what people's biggest fears are. And they do a lot of plays I go to, uh, um, especially with older audiences, which most, that is the audience for most plays. They'll still yeah, very right. And there's no intermission. There's no intermission. So you should go now. There's no one, you know, they keep harp. But to have, yeah, to hold it in, which normally someone say, yeah, I couldn't enjoy it. I had No, I loved it even with uh, not being able. So, yes, that is the ultimate great review. And I would think it would be uh, the full page ad in the Arts and Leisure section, which yeah. sadly you don't see anymore in the Times on Sunday uh, that would emblazon that, that uh, you know, quote on the top of the, the ad. But I miss yeah. that, Tommy, going through that and seeing yeah. the ads. And with movies especially, you know, the L.A. calendar section, L.A. Times, the New York Times, full page ads in for a weekend, a weekend section, which no longer Look. I think even <laughs> exists, you know. And there, there's, uh, so, there's such yeah. upbeat, you know, uh, the blurbs, I think is what we're talking about uh, yeah. uh, in those ads that 
don't exist anymore. The posters also. Yeah. You know, the blurbs are so, you know, a, a romp of laugh, riot, you laugh, you'll cry. All those those things, you know, uh, they don't give awards, Scotty, for great reviews, you know. And I, I, I have to say, um, like, what, what about the, you know, is that going too far to have a awards night for for reviews just like how well written a review was and whether the blurb caught on and oh i think and, so and, and now of course there are pulitzers for criticism which are these lengthy tomes that go way way into way beyond a review there you're you know, right that's, that's something different but so the, they the, do the, reward the yeah. review. now i i will say this that it there was a time in in it's i, I scratch my head when i think about this but where we talk about, we've mentioned Bosley Crowther and, oh, and yeah. the, the, the time when just one reviewer uh, uh, could make or break a, a, a show. And, and in fact, all shows depended on the opinion of one reviewer. Yeah, and that went through from Bosley Crowther to, uh, to, Vince, uh, to uh, Clive Barnes and all the others that followed and Ben Brantley. And uh, it did get a little less and less now, now, they, now it's it's no. it's you know you have uh, I, I hope that they have um, some version of like the tomatoes rotten tomato scores for a Broadway. <laughs> yes. Well, it would be like rotten avocados, just just yes. to be a little loftier. But Tommy, that is interesting because with the media is now most people don't look at a print newspaper, uh, and really it is true. It's more hype now than anything on social media, but you don't really even to see that many reviews like a plays come out i have hard pressed to find the reviews so maybe that's better maybe people can actually figure it out for themselves but i always tell this story tommy and it goes over wonderfully at parties but mm. clive barnes when he was at the times as you said could make or break a show with his review then he moved to the new york post and no one cared what he said yeah so that, which... it's, the publication was still clive barnes a very that's dry, right you know erudite man but uh so it's uh, things have changed. And I do miss the, the calendar section filled with ads and the Times Arts and Leisure and overflowing with ads. And uh, now, no, we don't see that, really. We don't even know if a movie's in a theater, you don't see ads for it. And it's um, it's a different time, Tommy. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I you, all, you do see quotes from uh, publications or online things that you've never heard of, but sometimes yeah. oh, plenty of those. And, yeah, and, and uh, but uh, the idea that we start with the review, and you wrote the, you write the review yeah. and, and, and first, and then yes. you uh, figure out the play. And I, and I'm not saying you write the script right away either. You have to kind of work out the outline and so. Well, on. I would do so a You got to do the work. You got to. Yeah. You got to. But start with the review. And that gives you something to really work for. I mean, oh, exactly. It's, and also, it's too late. Once you get that review uh, uh, after opening night, it's too late to do anything about it. Oh, no. Right. It's, yeah, it's am I right about that, Scott? Oh, absolutely. And the a good review that you write first gives you the inspiration. Like, I've yeah. got a hit on my hands. Right. So all you have to do is write it. And also, Tommy, I would throw in before, as you say, not to jump into the writing of the play. Do a, do a poster, too, and a nice ad with other reviews that you write you know other yeah. blurbs so then you could really flesh out the play that, that uh, yeah single out certain characters you know worthy of a tony it's, it's that really helps then because writers will scratch heads going wait a minute i don't think that's how it's supposed to go well that's how we say you should do it yeah uh, upend convention and yeah. uh, just uh, 
I think we said upend between the two of them about four or five times, which is that in and of itself makes this an historic podcast. Yeah, this but... never. I don't think we've uh, ever, uh, any podcast has up, upended more things <laughs> no. than than this podcast. Just today's episode has uh, has caused more upending. But uh, uh, and I, I I just I mean the idea too that. Um, I, I just want to hone in on this idea where you write the review first, then write the play. Now, it may be that you'll write a terrible review. Yeah, well, you know, it'll yeah. just like this, you know, what were they thinking? This is uh, a trash from beginning to end. And that's that may be good, too, because it discourages you from going ahead and writing that. play. <laughs> Saves you a lot of time. And instead yeah. of writing all that, yeah, this doesn't work. Your review will tell you it doesn't work. Yeah, you'll see all the flaws in the review. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Before you make the mistakes. Exactly. That's... I mean, again, no one discusses this in playwriting works. So people could spend fifty, sixty thousand to go to all the art schools yeah. and write, and you have these disgruntled playwrights teaching the classes, and uh, they yeah. never say this. And, no. and we're not saying there aren't other ways with a wink. Oh, yeah, I guess there are. If you really want to, you could just sit down and knock out a play. I'm not saying, you know, you can't do that. I'm just saying, listen to look at our method and I yeah. think you'll see the results. Yeah, yeah. The results will, will speak for themselves once there are results. I mean, yeah. Now, it, I guess uh, if they don't speak for themselves, uh, don't they always kind of speak? I guess they usually speak for themselves. And others are speaking also. Yeah. Uh, but it's another experience. Well, it's, that speaks for itself. Yeah. And we yeah. all say it. And, and uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, and I, 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 I kind of, that's an interesting uh, expression to drag to cliche court and put yeah. on our robes. Um, I, I'm going to advocate in, in favor of, of things that speak for themselves. Yeah. Um, just because I, I, I think the, the, the idea is, yeah. Um, you know, well, if, if you're constantly like, for example, um, this bed, does this bed speak for itself? Well, in a way it does. I'm, I, I'm gesturing yeah. to a bed right now that happens to be in my podcast yeah. studio, yeah. which which speaks for itself because you, 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 you know that this podcast studio is also a bedroom. And I also, you know, that it's you that. a yeah. Also, it's, you say, I really, uh, you know, how how good is that uh, bed? Well, <laughs> I think it speaks for itself, meaning it's just, uh, it's not literally speaking, as that no. would be certainly unsettling in the middle of the night. Yeah. You hear some words coming out. Who, what, what's that? And it's your, they didn't tell you that this bed occasionally speaks, not all the time, but occasionally. So that would, that would really keep me up at night if I knew my bed might once in a while say a few words. Say a few, say a few words and actually literally speak for itself. Yeah. But, but I think what you're pointing toward is a, is a, a, a world in which everything will talk. You know, because we have, you know, we, we now have maps that tell you how to drive, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, and I love them, you know, although sometimes I disobe disobey the Google lady when she tells me to take uh, take the um, uh, New Jersey turn or the, the, the Garden State instead of the Palisades Parkway. Yeah. I'll ignore that. I'll ignore the Google lady. And, and but she was talking. That was a map that was talking for itself. And will we come to a point where chairs and, yes, sofas and even beds will say, you know what, I am a bed and I, I, I speak for myself and, and we'll just get used to it. We'll, and, and, you know, there'll be all of our furniture and, and the pillows will be chattering away because 
Uh, well, that might be that could be a Twilight Zone, a new 2.0, as they always say. Yeah, I want I'm a lonely. I wish my furniture would talk and be careful what you wish for. And, <laughs> and I can't take it. It's too loud. Shut up. Right. Shut up. They argue with each other. And, yeah, and, right. and, yeah. uh, uh, it's interesting. I once did a, a radio show in, in Los Angeles um on on public radio about where the eames chair argued with a corbusier sofa <laughs> so it's not so crazy uh when you think about the well, idea not even that- not crazy but just be enlightening to hear that i know you did a whole thing on for public radio in la having buildings talk to each other yeah uh, which i think is so needed today and, and, and any day and and we should do more of that because certainly you know to get personalities to the building the chrysler building which we both uh, uh, you know, love and is un- sadly unheralded. And, and so, deserve, you know, I'm sure it has some issues with the Empire State Building. Like, you know, oh, that gets all the attention. Nobody's standing in front of my building, yeah. you know, taking tours. And uh, yeah. hopefully they're, conf- you know, they feel good about being such a great building and that's enough for them. I, you know, I'm just right. speculating. Well, that, that was, that is still a, an idea that somewhere in the works, the idea of buildings that talk to each other and, and, and say snide things about it and, and, and finally give voice to everything. But I think you're right though, Scotty, the, it, the, it, it's a twilight zone kind of a thing where, you know, oh, I wonder what my, if I, you know, people talk about if these walls could talk, yeah. listen, if these walls could talk, they might bore the daylights <laughs> out of you. Well, just as you said, about ghosts what we always assume ghosts will be fascinating but as you no. pointed out in one of our earlier episodes about ghosts um being back to end of 2020 or 2021 about what could be your uncle who you know or it could it be just a goes on and on about uh, yeah. about his ailments what happened before <laughs> and who owed him money and the uh, but i never asked i never asked for it because i knew <laughs> that he had problems and and and, and 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 yeah that's that that i think is what a lot of the ghost stories don't talk about but also, if these walls could talk stories, same yeah. sort of the thing, you know, that, that you know, uh, like if you ask the wall, well, how was your day? Oh, I just said I just was a wall. What do you mean? How was my day? And I right. No, you had to ask the right questions. There. Yeah, they had that. They would say that if these walls, because you're assuming that the walls are listening into every conversation because they it's usually like there was this temple I performed at the actor's temple and. Ethel Merman and other theatrical greats were members there. So people, oh, these walls could talk. First of all, yeah. that too would be frightening. Again, if I was yeah. taking a tour late at night, but that assumes they're listening in on everything. And they might say, yeah, I saw Ethel Merman, but I didn't pay much attention. Right. You know, uh, so it uh, might yeah, not have been uh, that uh, interesting. Right, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. She came, she went, but a lot of people, and they wind up mainly, the walls might wind up complaining about the floors or the ceilings. <laughs> You right, know? they don't care about who they is don't... a member of a congregation. And <laughs> no, that doesn't interest them. Uh, no, uh, well, <laughs> fifty years ago, well, what do they remember? You know, it's like no, they they yeah. they think about. Uh, well, they uh, loved that day great when they got painted. That was a great. Yeah. <laughs> that was a big day. That's the ultimate. You know, it's that. Not... <laughs> I, I saw, you know, so and so David David Merrick had an argument with the so and so in the third it, row. He's not. Gonna... You know, no, they don't care. Assume, it was by like, the way, the theater bucks. That, just walls. They might be. They might be. I'm not saying they're not. Yeah. But they may just be very nice walls who love being painted. Yeah, they love being painted, and and they complain when they don't. It's like yeah. my paint. It's blistering. I look ugly. It's uh, 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 
you know, I need to be scraped and primed properly. Right. You know, and that's, they'll talk your ear off about that. You know, yeah. they have, oh, and they'll have their opinions are, about what paint is best. And yeah. oh, people say use a second coat, but the prime. I don't know that much about painting. I just these words that I hear. From no, that's a good one. That's a, it's almost sounded like you really were a, a painter when you just well, said the second coat. That, I thought that. Yeah, was, that's why I always throw that. That's a go to yeah. uh, that makes you think that. But uh, <laughs> now, certainly, Tommy, and this I, yeah. I only throw this out as a teaser because this uh -huh. would be not just an episode, but a year's worth. Yeah. Having cats and dogs, just as we started this episode yeah. about dogs having them talk not all the time and like in commercial i don't like when they do it in commercials either because it's no you know cats and dogs are great without talking in fact cats as you know tommy from your cats and ginger's cat olympia my uh, late cat benny their physical expressions and eye expressions and everything else is so expressive that actors and and wasn't it stanislavski or that suggested looking at cats you know so how they, they do walk, how they cross the street how they yeah. How, how they cross the room, how they lie yeah. down. Uh, uh, Very yeah, expressive, uh, uh, yeah. But, but I did a a, a, a YouTube uh, series yeah. on talking cats and, yeah. and and determined towards the end, and again, still haven't gotten the Nobel Prize for this, but, yeah. uh, you know, still, you know, it could, you know, that's, oh, that's an open-ended thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's no uh, time limit on that. No, no. Uh, but um, I came up with the conclusion that cats are pre-proto-verbal, they're pre-verbal. They're they're on their way to being verbal, and you you see online cats who, who a lot of cats who oh yeah certain cats are talking cats, and so but I do feel too that once they will learn to talk, they will learn to speak English, but you will again you'll find them annoying because uh, <laughs> well, they'll say nice the same it, thing over and over. A lot what I'd like time. to see is like a one day, or this could be a play or movie too. Uh, uh, well, not a play, but certainly a movie uh, or, or a fine best-selling novel where just one day everyone's pet and you could ask them whatever question you want. And yeah. That's something that was fascinating. When, you know, when you do that, uh, right. you know, is that... Uh, do you does that like mean you like me or does that mean you're just, you just want to lick me because... Right. I'm good. the one who gives you the food. Would you like me even if I really couldn't get you that much food? Would you yeah, still love yeah. me? You know, all those thorny questions that yeah. you could ask them now, but that if you don't get as full a response... But also, why do you when you curl up this way or that? Uh, one day, though. Because, yeah, one day, and yeah. and 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 a lot of times, you know, a lot of cats will just ask and answer very minimally, and yeah. and they'll try to you know mysteriously deflect. they'll try yeah. to deflect. Yeah, and uh, you know they'll say, well, what about this other you know animal or something like that? They won't take responsibility. That's my fear about that one day. <laughs> I think it's a great idea, and I'm in favor of it. But I can just imagine suit too. Some cats would be like, oh, it's, you know, they, they don't treat the day with the respect that you and I would hope they would. Right. They, and, we would think, oh, they can't wait to get all that out. They go, right. I, I'm said plenty. I show, I, you know, because they, just because we speak doesn't mean that's the preferred <laughs> mode of communication. Like no. something lesser about them. They don't think that at all. They think no. they're superior that they don't need to speak. It's so primitive. And probably. sometimes they, it can sound like a, 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 uh, Senate hearing with a reluctant witness, you know, yes. that's, you know, they just sort of ham and haw and just, you know, give yeah. one word answers. And yeah, now a really dog that probably that's would be my more fear. 
dogs would probably more, uh, as we started off talking about in the beginning, more effusive, probably like that's oh, yeah, probably yeah, I like true. That. Oh, I love when you do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I love it. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, they probably they'd be eager to tell you all the things they've wanted to tell. Yeah, you, oh, when you come to the door, I love that, and I, my my tail, I wag my tail because I'm just so happy to see it. They'd get a lot in because they want to have yeah. so much to say. And a lot uh, of stuff we already knew, and we, you know, yeah. we'd let them talk. You know, just, just oh, the, you have to do that. Well, as you say, yeah. even. In, now we always let the cat speak first. Never interrupt a cat. That's right. That's some of classic, which I can't believe you didn't walk away with the Nobel for that. And again, and as we wind down, uh, they sometimes they take a long time to make the decisions. It's not that they listened to that episode and said, "Well, we don't think there's that much there." No, they may think it's certainly Nobel worthy, but you know they just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah. Yet. How long did it take for them to give a Nobel to to Bob Dylan? I mean, way, oh. way, way, way after the. Yeah. The uh, putative end of his the of the main part of his career. Well, Scotty, wow. Okay, <laughs> you know that's uh, and I'm glad we don't have to wear robes because it's hot. To, oh, today. especially the summer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, even linen would would not be uh, ideal. <laughs> and uh, Tommy, normally we try to summarize. We've said so many things. Yeah. I think the best way to summarize is just to listen to this podcast, which yeah. people are doing as we speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and, and I can't. Uh, I, I can't think of a better way, summary than that. So on that note, I'm going to continue to be Tom Saunders. And, and I remain sincerely your Scott Blakeman, and we're getting through this.